Hennessy Files podcast series. Proudly presented by Aloha Surf Manly. Welcome to the Hennessy Files podcast series. Today we are going to have a chat to WSL rookie Isabella Nichols. The former World Junior Champion finished 2019 with a big win at Port Stephens Pro, elevating her to number one on the QS. And today we're going to look into the journey that Isabella took over seven years ago to get this stage in her career. So welcome in, Isabella. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dimmy. It's definitely interesting times and yeah, there's a lot going on at the moment, isn't there? How are you keeping sane? I mean, I thought about this last night regarding your situation. You're, you know, you're a rookie. Uh, you had an amazing 2019 and you're ready to roll. How have you kept yourself mentally and physically ready to go in what has been a really tough start of the year? Because basically you, your whole year has been put on hold. It's been hard, you know, like I worked for this for seven years and then finally to qualify and have this whole COVID situation go down. It's quite unfortunate. But, you know... I feel like it goes in waves like I I'm happy being at home I'm happy surfing and hanging out with family and friends well not so much hanging out but um and then there's times where I I just get really bored and I'm you know like at the moment I'm going through a little slump where shortboarding isn't too fun for me at the moment so I'm just going to go on to like wacky boards trying single fins twin fins um I've got a gym downstairs downstairs because I can't actually go into the high performance center anymore um so I'm just trying to like keep busy, keep the routine fairly similar, except for the fact that, you know, we're not traveling anywhere at the moment, which is a big one. And I have um, very cold feet, whereas I I can't really stay in one spot for more than two weeks. Otherwise I get a little bit bored. So I'm trying to find new things to keep me entertained. Like I've got uni to do too. Um, I'm trying to surf heaps. There's a lot of waves at the moment, which is bloody amazing. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like when it goes flat. I think everyone will just go a bit crazy, but um, everything's Everything's good so far. I feel like once we get maybe one more month into this whole ISO thing or no travelling, it might be a different story. Do you think we're close to like a restart? Because when you, it's not just, you know, you're an Aussie, right? But globally, um, I just don't know how they're going to work that with the borders. And, uh, and the numbers of people dying in Europe are just outrageous. I mean, we were really lucky that our government was smart enough to you know, to crush the curb pretty early. But, like, you're in a global sport. That is going to be tough. It's hard. I think, yeah, like you said, Europe's not doing too well. Like, I've got my sister and her partner are working in the ambulance surfers over in London, and she's telling me there's, like, 700 people dying a night, um, which is nuts, seeing as we literally aren't having any cases whatsoever. So I think it's not really going to be, like, how we're doing. It's just the whole world, which is the hard part. We can't control them. Like, our Prime Minister's doing a really good job. Same with the NZ. But um, I think, yeah, Europe just cottoned onto it a little bit too late. And I personally, I don't know. There's a lot of things flying around, but I don't see the borders internationally opening up for a very, very long time. Like, even even halfway into next year, like, you never know. Or unless a vaccine's created or something, that's a whole nother kettle of fish that one <laughs> i think that's what the world's waiting for once they can get a vaccine and um and sort of crush what's going on but it's definitely changed the whole landscape of you know not only sport business itself and that's another question like moving forward for like wsl they're in a very tough position because they've got such a great product but 
like I worry about what's going to happen moving forward with our sponsorships and stuff like mm. that because people are losing jobs around the world, businesses are going broke. It's just it's basically the unknown. Like no one's ever gone through this before, but yeah, it's pretty wacky old time. Yeah, like you said, the whole sponsor thing, I think, yeah, lo- the whole surfing industry, you know, it's not doing too well at the moment, but I reckon my theory is we're going to see like you know a lot of the, the online brands and all the big brands are probably making a lot more money than what they actually were and like before this whole covid thing because you know online shopping and whatnot and yeah all the big companies probably see a mix-up of sponsors um in the next couple of years a lot of the regular brands might be dying out a little bit they might come back but um it's gonna be a, a big change up like i don't think anyone in this lifetime has gone through something like we have now so everyone's kind of doing it for the first time now let's take a journey back in time you were brought up on the sunny coast uh you're a sunny coast girl and you moved down here a couple of years ago so talk to us about what got you into surfing and and how that transpired when you were a kid um yep sunny coast not born and bred i was actually born in denmark and then moved to sunny coast when i was about two so my mum's danish her whole side of the family is from denmark my dad's an Aussie, true blue. And yeah, so he was the one who got me into surfing when I was about 11 years old. He, he's traveled the world. He's not a competitive surfer, but he's, um, he loves his surfing a lot. And I think he just wanted to have one of his kids to go surfing with. And, you know, it was never like, well, he was never a soccer dad where it was like, you know, you got to train, look, you got to surfing every day and you're going to become a world champion from from the get-go is more just so he could have someone to hang out with and go surfing with and I think um it kind of backfired on him because he ended up having to take me surfing a lot more than he intended and take me to contests and drive me halfway across Australia and all that kind of stuff but yeah so I started surfing when I was 11 I actually didn't really want to take it up full-time like I wasn't actually completely interested in it at the very start I was like more doing soccer I was playing on a guy's soccer team as a goalie and absolutely loving it but then um yeah he, he started bribing me with like um what's it called Macca's bacon and egg muffins <laughs> and I slowly like started to cotton onto it and I do all the school contests back in the day when I was at primary school with all my mates and it's just such a good lifestyle I think that's what you get hooked on more so than the actual thing itself um all my friends did it and i have like so many friends that i have for life now that i met through all those contests back in the day and they're like my really close f- friends um but yeah so that's how it happened and then you know slowly progressed to competitive surfing and moving down here was always a very strategic move i love it here but the sunny coast is always my home um but the waves are better here my sponsors are here my shape is here my trainers here um, and I feel like it's just a natural progression for people who kind of want to be around the scene more. So yeah, I moved down like two and a half years ago and, um, I think it's such an incredible place. There's so many different places to surf and I'm absolutely loving it. You're a twin. I am. Yes. How, like being a twin, like they say that twins are very, very close. Um, did your sister, did your twin surf? No, she didn't. She um, no. No, we are literally like polar opposites. It's crazy. So I'm like a head. Is that the norm for twins? But no. Is oh, well, you you get the the um. Like occasionally, I- you get twins who are the same, have the same interests. Like um, identical twins tend to do that, I guess. But we're fraternal. I'm pretty sure that's the right word. Where it's um, we're unidentical. She has brown hair and brown eyes. I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and it's just like total polar opposite. She's like 
throughout high school and even like as a child she was a complete girly girl and I was like in these full ankle ankle length board shorts just like absolute um tomboying out and um I think that's kind of what's helped our relationship in a way like obviously as kids we'd fight heaps she'd like whack me across the back of the head as a kid and go lock herself in the bathroom because she knows I'd probably smoke her if she ever tried to fight me (laughs) but um now that she's um now since I moved out of home and she's moved to London and all that um we have a really really good relationship and she is like my best friend in the world so I'm very lucky to have her going back to uh, your world title Mm -hmm. like the junior world title what did that do for you as a as an athlete and as a surfer how much confidence did you take out of that because you put on a clinic in that final 18.10 to uh, 11.16 that was an interesting contest we went to Aracera and I got there about two weeks before the contest started um, because that was one of the biggest contests that I've ever been um, been in and we rocked up and it was 20 foot Aracera like absolutely maxing out the biggest that they'd ever seen it or for a very long time for 10 years and we actually surfed in this boat harbour that hadn't broken for 10 years for the first, I'd say, 12 days of the event. Pretty much every round up until the quarterfinals, we surfed in this boat harbour and it was maybe two foot slop. So it was literally a grind. Like it was a queue grind up until the quarterfinals. I I have this um, recurring pattern sometimes where in my first heat, like you were saying with the flip of the coin, like I either just scrape through or I don't. Um, and that kind of determines the momentum going forward. Obviously, if it, it doesn't go my way, then I'm kind of out of the contest. But if I scrape through, then I kind of slowly start to build instead of like coming out of the gates firing. But yeah, I remember, I think I, it was like 10 seconds to go and I just got through that first heat and I was like, wow, that was crazy. Like it was pretty bad surf. And then we had about two weeks um, of lay days because it just was absolutely terrible. And then on the very last day of the waiting period, I'd heard about Aracera and I'd heard about how good a wave it was. And I think they actually held the World Juniors there the year before. And I think Mahina actually won there. She was, she she, was defending champ. Yeah, yeah, she was. So that was kind of intimidating coming into that. But um, yeah, so I had the quarters, the semis, the finals in like six foot firing Aracera. And it was probably some of the funnest contest players I've ever had. So I think I honestly went out there just going like just having fun. Like it wasn't so much like pressure because obviously I'd gone into that contest not really thinking much of it. Um, But I feel like that's when I do most of my, like some of my best surfing is when I just don't put too much pressure on myself. But yeah, I just had a ball. I think um, I was just in rhythm, like you're saying, momentum and rhythm. I'd slowly like, I think throughout that whole contest, I'd got like six points in total in my first heat, then eight, then 10, then 12, then 14, and then 16. And then it came to the finals and I got two nines. And I think that was just the whole momentum thing. Um, I just gained confidence throughout the whole event and I was just having so much fun. That was like one of the best contests I've ever been involved with. Now, next up, you you embarked on your QS career and uh, I read some literature yesterday on you really focused not only on your surfing, but you you took your studies very seriously. And uh, how hard was it to try to grind through the QS and still have to, you know, to study and, and do schooling as well? Yeah, um, it was a lot harder in the sense that I had to be more valuable with my time and where I put my efforts in. Um, but it was honestly to this day, I think it was one of the best decisions that I've made is to study while while doing um, the QS, more so just like obviously after the after winning the world title, world junior title, I kind of had three years there where it was a little bit hard for me because 
I was maybe overthinking things or not thinking them enough, um, not using my brain right, like making really, really, really silly mistakes, like dropping in. I had a lot of interferences and um, I just needed something to take my mind off all the pressure because it was the only thing in my life that I had at that moment. And I was just kind of, um, I think I've said this before, but I just based like all of my self-worth on my results. And so I just put a lot of pressure on myself. And so, yeah, I, I started studying and I only did one unit so it wasn't too much of a stretch for me, but it still obviously took up a lot of time. I had to manage when I went surfing and when I didn't. But obviously being on the QS, you're not gone for as long as you are if you're on the CT. So I actually had a lot of downtime to do all my work. So I'd, sometimes I'd just go to a contest and just forget about uni for like two weeks and then come back and just catch up or just do it beforehand. But yeah, um, <laughs> speaking about COVID-19, this is actually kind of a blessing in disguise because I've actually started another unit this year and it's been quite tough. And I don't know if I would have been able to like keep it up while actually competing on the CT. So it's kind of been a bit of a blessing, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting when everything starts back up again, because I want to continue that study because my brain gets, um, what's the word, it gets dry and it's kind of like pouring oil in it. And it just like functions a little bit better when I'm actually trying to use my brain to learn. So I I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I definitely want to continue doing that. So let's paint the picture here. 2016 was a big year for you on the QS. You're still very young and inexperienced, but after a series of big results, you go into the final event of the year at Cronulla needing to make the final to qualify. You take on Silvana and Lima, and after having the lead for most of the heat, the Brazilian gets a wave and just gets the score required to take the lead. And looking from the outside in, you became very frustrated and ended up with an interference that ended your quest for qualification. Was that a tough loss at that age? And how did that affect you going forward? That was really hard. Looking back on it now, probably the best thing that could happen to me because I don't think I was ready. Um, But yeah, going into that heat, I knew I had to, all that contest, I knew I had to win. And it was still a long shot for me because my best result wasn't even a quarterfinal finish. So I was like, oh yeah, you know, like whatever. And I ended up getting on one of these roles. And then I drew Silvana in the semifinals and... um, I just thought, you know, I'll just try my best, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I ended up getting an eight straight straight out of like the gates. And then I backed it up with four. And I think, yeah, she needed like a six or something. And I'm not quite sure what happened or what she did, but she just got the score. And it was one of those heats where, like you were talking about, it was a flip of the coin, you know, she'd pip me by like 0.1 or something ridiculous like that. And I was like, damn, this is my chance. And, you know, I just sat out the back and tried to wait for a wave, didn't come to me, or I just freaked out. There probably was a lot of waves and I just let a few of them go just because of my inexperience. Like I was saying, I probably didn't really have the experience at that time that I needed, but um, that was a huge turning point because, um, yeah, like you said, I ended up, I think it was like 15 seconds to go and she took off, she started paddling for a wave and then she pulled back and then I started paddling and I didn't turn around to see that she actually started paddling again. And she had priority and yeah, you know, I got interference. Like I was saying, I got a lot of those, but um, I was devastated after that loss. That was probably the most heartbroken I'd been in, a, in all of my surfing career up to that point. Cause it was, you know, something that we all work towards when we're on the QS is to qualify. And I was so close. And I was like, you have that thought in the back of your mind where it's like, am I ever going to get this close again? And did I just blow the one chance that I've had to actually qualify? Um, yeah, I got really upset. I actually think I almost broke my hand punching a brick wall. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that that after that, I kind of got a little bit caught up in myself and I, I just maybe put in 
too much effort into certain areas that didn't need as much effort. Like I was really getting caught up on, you know, um, trying to surf with aggression and intensity and just making dumb mistakes. And I should have just, you know, taken a step back. Instead of getting myself wound up, I should have just slowed things down, taken a step back and really assessed everything. But um, yeah, three years after that, or two years, three years after that, I just had a bit of a brain fart, to be honest. And I can't explain it. Don't know what happened, but um, yeah, I I got myself right eventually. (laughs) Yeah, you're saying next two years, I mean, you still had results, but you just weren't consistently putting those performances together. You still had some really good results in the next two years, but roll into 2019 and you were a different beast. Like uh, I got to commentate a lot of the Aussie leg and, um, and from the moment I saw you, I think it was at Avoca, yeah, um, Voca. Yeah, yeah, that was my first contest. Yeah, so the moment I saw you in a Voca, I went, Bella's on 100%. So there was a lot of people taking a lot of notice of, of what you were doing. And uh, when you came out of that Aussie leg, you basically went uh, back to back to back, uh, good results. You had a couple of second placings uh, in some big events, which I'm sure, you know, you wanted to win, but you must have actually left the Aussie leg going, you know what, I feel like I'm on. Because that consistency was definitely, you know, in the game there for you. Yeah. Yeah, you were my biggest advocate during that whole Aussie leg. I think you spurred me on and made me really determined. Um, but, yeah, that was an interesting interesting first part of the year for me. Like, I'd never experienced having a good result to start off with. Obviously, three-star in Avoca. Again, I'd just gotten pipped. I just didn't get the score in the semifinals. I think I missed out by, like, 0.1 points. And I was like, man... But I knew that I could, you know, get a result. And, yeah, going into, I think it was Newcastle, um, I'd, I'd never gotten past, like, the round before the quarters there. And I just got on this roll and I made it to the finals against Sally, who absolutely dominated me. She just put her finger on me and just pushed me down. But it was really cool, like, learning from her and how she puts the pressure and applies it in certain areas. And um, I'm kind of glad I got second in that heat in a weird sense because I actually learned a lot from that whole experience. And yeah, like I got really sick after that, like really, really, um, really fatigued and worn out. And I came into Manly. I actually had like staph infection all over my face. Like I was so worn. Um, I had like two days to recoup and start again after surfing like 10 heats in a row. And then um, I don't know how I just pulled myself together. And I think I sometimes do my best surfing when I'm kind of like under the pump and not feeling too good. And I can't, honestly, yeah, I think I just was so determined um, at the start of last year. I was really having fun. I think that was the main thing for me is more just like, um, I've been working with Richo on like just working through heat tactics and stuff. And now that I'm doing uni too, I feel like my brain's really switched on and I'm really excited about like, if this chick does this, what do I do to counteract her and how can I kind of wig her out and, and get an advantage? So that kind of helped at the start of last year. I was really excited about competing and I'd found this new love for like, you know, doing well in competitions. You were saying earlier you got sick after Newcastle. People wouldn't know, but you have to be ultra careful when it comes to infections because your body works a little differently to the rest of us as you do not have a spleen. Explain that and tell us how that has affected your surfing over the years. Um, actually I was born with a blood disorder, hereditary blood disorder called spherocytosis. So just a little bit of a background on it. It means my blood cells are shaped in more of a sphere instead of like a, uh, an arrow kind of shape or diamond shaped as normal people's blood cells are. And, um, 
it just causes my spleen, spleen to act over time and it works like double as hard as everyone's. And when I was about 11 or 12, it just completely shut down. It was really weird. Speaking of my twin, um, me and her got sick on exactly the same day. It was year one photos day and I couldn't get off the couch like when I went back home and she was already sick that day. So she stayed home. We both ended up in hospital that day. She ended up having a blood transfusion and I ended up having my spleen out, but she still got hers. I haven't got mine. But the spleen basically filters all the white blood cells and makes you healthy. <laughs> so not having one of those, I've got to be really careful. Not so much, like, it doesn't make me get sick easier. But when I do get sick, I get sick more so. Um, with viral infections, not so much. But if they turn into bacterial infections, say I get the flu and it turns into pneumonia, that's when it gets real bad. Or say I get cold sores on my face and they turn into staph infection, that's when it gets real bad. Um, so I got to be really careful, like even with reef cuts and stuff, getting bitten by dogs. Like I just got to be on high alert all the time with this whole COVID thing. I don't know how it's going to affect me without my spleen. It's a very touchy subject. I'm trying to like wash my hands heaps and like stay away from people, but it's just, I'm kind of over it at the moment. I'm just kind of letting the ball go home or whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've never really seen it as a disadvantage for me. Um, it's just what I've grown up with and, um, Lack of energy sometimes is an, a side effect of not having a spleen too. There's not as much oxygen stored in the blood cells, but, um, you know, still getting there, fighting through. <laughs> the Sydney Women's Pro, yep. you make the final again against your good mate, Lesa Kuzon. <laughs> and uh, what I like about you too is you got this wacky little... Super weird, hey? Yeah, <laughs> that... No, but... that the food thing. The food thing. Talk yep. us through the food thing when you beat each other. Um... Yeah, it's funny. I think we just needed to find this little, um, like we were really determined to do well, obviously, individually, but like we stayed together and we wanted to have this little inside bed of like, you know, if you lose your heat, you have to eat a, a brownie with ketchup smeared all over it. And that's just, even the thought of that makes me want to throw up. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to lose the heat. And it honestly, honestly worked. Like I was in a heat, I think it was a Sophie McCulloch and I was literally down I needed a combo score and I had two minutes to go. And in my head, I was like, I don't want to eat a brownie with ketchup. No brownie with ketchup. And it, like, swear to God, it, like, fired me up. And I, I ended up getting an eight and, like, a five in the last two minutes. Um, but it was crazy. Like, yeah, we ended up in the final together and Alessa just smoked me in the final. Props to her. Um, she suffered really, really well. And I ended up having to eat this bloody ketchup, a uh, brownie with ketchup on it. But, um yeah, that's like, because then I stayed with her again in Newcastle Manly and we kind of continued the tradition, but it didn't work out so well for both of us because we both got knocked out pretty much straight away. But um, it's, it's just fun finding like, on the road. You want to find little things that keep you like entertained. So that was one of the things that we did. And um, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> now, through the year, you started very strong, but that continued all the way through. And in the back half of the year, you basically had a, a second in France. I think you got a fifth in Spain and then going into Port Stephens. I'm pretty sure you were qualified at that stage or you were very yep. close to being guaranteed. But what about that? That was an amazing event to watch because there was so much drama in and around those qualification Crazy, bubble. Hey? Yep. You were basically pretty safe, but there was others really, really doing it tough mentally, trying to uh, overcome you know, the barrier of getting onto tour and you win that event. Talk us through that win. Yeah, speaking of momentum, like that whole year, just it was like a dream year. Like I did not, I would not in my wildest dreams thought that possible. But, you know, after the first few events, I was like, man, maybe I can beat these girls consistently. Um, but yeah, going into that last event, the Bruby contest, it was funny because I always come in with no chance at all or like I have to win the event to qualify. And that's just really daunting for me because that's a lot of pressure. And I, 
used to not have the mental capacity to deal with it. I'd just get knocked out first heat. But um, yeah, watching all the scenarios and watching, it's just so hard because you see people's dreams getting crushed. You know, like mine were in the previous years, just like full heartbreak. And I came up against a few girls who I know needed the result and you kind of have to put that aside. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a tough one, but I that was probably one of my funnest contests. Darren made me this really cool new board. I was trying new equipment and um, I was luckily in a position where I had already qualified. So I qualified after Spain, after getting the quarterfinals. Um, and I was coming third for the time being. I think Sage was winning and Bronte was second. And they, um, both amazing surfers, but they both ended up getting knocked out fairly early. I think Bronte got knocked in the quarters and I had to make the final to overtake her on the yeah. late, on the ratings. Um, but yeah, the waves were pumping. I love the place so much. I just had so much freedom. I wasn't stressed at all. I knew I'd already qualify and that was a dream of mine for a long time. So I was just really, really excited to like try to go into a contest with no pressure and just actually perform instead of like trying to fight for my life. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's what I did. I just had a really good time. I picked the right waves and that was my first ever 6,000 win. So I, that was a very special moment for me. After the Port Stevens event, you must have just been on a complete high knowing that you're now where you've always wanted to be as a surfer and also knowing that you'd had the opportunity early in the year and you're right, I mean, you're right on, on the money. You, look, you looked really good at, at that event. Like you lost to Carolyn, I think. And yeah, she spoke me. Some people just look tailor-made for that next level and you certainly did that. So going Thank away you. from Port Stephens, you must have just been, you oh. know, the most excited person in Australia. Oh, that was probably like one of the most incredible moments of my life um qualifying like um making my family proud like making my sponsors proud making myself more so proud um just you know that feeling when you accomplish something that you kind of didn't know was ever going to happen and then it happens you're like wow this is crazy <laughs> and um yeah I'd been in a couple of CT events and I feel like I I kind of still felt like I didn't belong in the sense that I wasn't actually on tour I was a wild card and so I was really excited to go into this year as a full-time CT competitor and just to see how I fared up against all those girls because there's a group of them, well, all of them really are just incredible and I was so excited. It was so funny. I was looking, I think this, uh, the schedule was out already a month before the snapper contest and it's so funny. Everyone's like, you know, win the QS and you'll get a good seating for next year. And my first heat was Tyler Wright and Steph Gilmore, round one. I was, wow. like, well, I was like, well, I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be such a fun heat, like, what a way to start the CT as a rookie just to come up against those two girls, like two girls that I've looked up to my whole life or ever since I started surfing anyway. And I was so pumped. But yeah, and then everything gets cancelled and it was literally right before the event started and I had probably two or three weeks where I just had all this anxious energy and I did not know what, what to do with it because I was so excited. And I, yeah, I had a bit of like a mentally tough time because I was like, what do I do now? But um, yeah, it, it's I'm okay now. <laughs> 